Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. And I am indeed Kyle Serafin. If you live in Houston and you are a terrible congresswoman who was unable to win the mayoral election in your own home district, that's right, Sheila Jackson Lee. We love you, mostly because you have this outstanding clip that has been our intro. Uh, Folks, we've got an interesting show today. Today is Wednesday. It's February the 7th, and it is a day full of failure. Yeah, I'm looking down at my my little cheat sheet here of all the topics that we're going to go through, and you know what? It's failure and failure and failure. A failed impeachment, which is a GOP failure. A failed uh, RNC chairwoman, that's a failure. A failed city. New York, failed mayor, man, failed border policy, for failed border, border bill. It's failure left and right. It's all up and down the board. We're going to be talking a bunch of failure here on Weird Wednesday. Oh, well, that's all right. We'll laugh about it. It is still February, the shortest month, and that means that it's Black History Month. We're going to lead off with Morgan Freeman telling us what he thinks about Black History Month. Again, because I really love it. I might just do it every single morning until we get into March. But also... We're going to end with Morgan Freeman because I've got some some little choice chops. Every time I hear that man's voice, I don't think of him as a black man. I actually think of him as my favorite voice to narrate pretty much anything. So we're going to end with that. You guys can look forward to that. That's going to be we're going to talk to you the difference between a musician and a magician that may be lost on some of you. If you are under the age of 30, I didn't even know this was a problem that exists in the world, but we're going to do our best to try to educate. Um. What, what can you do? We're going to do the best we can do with what we've got. Folks, I want to start off with saying thanks to our sponsor. And it is Contingency Medical. This program is brought to you by Contingency Medical. Go to contingencymedical.com. Just spell it all out and use promo code Kyle. Then they'll know that we sent you over there. Um, listen, a lot of this show is about self-reliance. It's about learning how to get facts for yourself. It's about how to get information and how to be discerning. And it's also about preparing for eventualities so you are not caught in a crisis. And Contingency Medical is a fantastic way to do that. Um, I'm super excited about this company. Like I said, the CEO and I have had some emails back and forth, and I really like the exchange. Uh, changing the medical industry, instead of this, this model where you wait until you're not feeling well, you know, and then you do sick care. You run to the pharmacy, you run to the doctor, you may have to go get a last minute appointment and go hang out with a bunch of sick people. This is proactive. Instead of waiting to repair your problem, you can prepare for the problem. You can go to contingencymedical.com. The promo code is Kyle. Get one of these these outstanding little kits. They really are outstanding. Check this out. Boom. There's your little guide on how to use it. You're going to talk to a real doctor in your state who is going to give you real prescriptions that come in a cool kit like this that can roll around with you, whether you're traveling or whether you're at home, and you can be prepared for any illness that comes your way. So check out Contingency Medical. Go use our promo code there. Get yourself squared away so that you are not just sitting at home and waking up like Mr. Garrett O'Boyle, who told me today that he is at 75%. He's feeling better, but he's not 100 And uh, wouldn't it be better not to have to go to a doctor when you're feeling sick? Like, that's the worst part of being sick if you actually go to doctors. Otherwise, you just suck it up. Um, There's a pack in there, or essentially a pack with a a azithromycin prescription, antibiotics, all kinds. Yeah, kill it. Get that done. Get yourself squared away, folks. I think you will appreciate it. And let's dive directly into failure, shall we? 
Weird Wednesday here. Um, also, I keep hearing in my head, and you guys are going to hear this throughout the show, like maybe in your heads, the, um, who is it? It's called The Knack. That's the name of the, the band. You guys remember the name, the, the Knack. And it was My Sharona, this Bye Bye Rona thing that I named the show. Bye Bye Rona. Bye Bye Rona. Um, we're going to get there at the end. So let's start off with CNN's homepage. I like to do it because it tells us kind of what's going on in their hearts. And what's going on in their hearts are two things that we're going to cover in long form. Number one, the failed impeachment of Mayorkas, the DHS secretary. And the second one is that Nikki Haley lost a primary. And it's not just that she lost the primary, which we'll cover in just a few moments, okay? So let's get into the, the first piece of it. This is CNN's homepage, so we're going to get into their failed impeachment. And I want their coverage, and I also want, I also want Fox's coverage on it. So Stephen Collison, who is a well of content for us to dig into how a botched impeachment laid bare, a GOP house that cannot function. In some ways, he's not wrong. You've got an RNC that kind of sucks. And you've got a um, you've got a complete failure of like solidarity. They they lost they lost members. They threw out their own member. Right? Uh, you'll remember that they had uh, George Santos, and they voted him out. They tossed him out, and he would have been a breaking vote on this. He actually tweeted out a picture, and it's just said, "Are you missing me today?" Uh, at the two fifteen two fifteen vote for impeachment, and it would have been the one that put him over the top. Uh Guy's got a compelling argument. I talked to George Santos last night on Twitter. We do these Twitter spaces. And uh, if you guys don't do Trump Tuesday, you know that uh, you don't have to be a Trump person to go into Trump Tuesday. It's a pretty friendly audience. And it is hosted by none other than Mark Naughton. So every Tuesday night, um, and I think the time is like 7 Eastern. I always get there late. But they have a pretty good panel of guests. And we had uh, Jennifer Van Lars, who we're going to be talking uh, one of her articles later. Just a really good all-purpose space. And one of them was George Santos, who was like, man, the Republicans are broken. Uh, here's the CNN take on it. Once Mike Johnson's speakership was merely implausible, and now it just looks incompetent. The rookie GOP leader is already struggling to wield a tiny, extreme, malfunctioning majority. Yeah, that's correct. They're barely over the top, and they made it even thinner with their own stupidity. That is a self-inflicted wound. Uh, they suffered a spectacular embarrassment on Tuesday night in a failed vote to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, who is terrible, absolutely terrible at his job, right? Just He's not doing the work that is required to theoretically defend the homeland. What a, what, a, what a weird concept. Most of the people who are young today don't even know a world that didn't have DHS. We actually were fine without DHS for the majority of American history. And now we have it. And then we have a secretary who's not actually doing the job. And theoretically, that should be an easy decision. But unfortunately, all we have are politics. So they set up at high stakes. It was a, a televised tour de force for the impeachment of a cabinet official for only the second time in history. It's a daring act. Is it, though? Like, do we even care? Like, they've already gone after. They impeached President Trump twice uh, and failed with the conviction. We're, we're looking in a world where all of these clowns basically are doing political theater. We continue to see posturing, and none of it means anything. It's just, it's unserious. So, I, I you know, they're going to drum up their base about it. That's what CNN's going to do. They're going to beat their drum. But it doesn't mean... It, it doesn't mean that it actually means anything to anybody that wasn't already inclined to think that, one, the GOP is non-functioning, and two, we sort of agree with what they were trying to do, even if they didn't do it. I, I just don't think they're moving the needle on this stuff at all. Uh, and anything that they can do to distract, that's the real piece here, right? So it's anything that they can do to distract from the absolute and abject failure of a Joe Biden presidency, which is atrocious. Um, I'm going to give some credit to Kim Wexler, who's uh, one of our 
followers and oftentimes is in the um, in the chat, but also follows on Twitter, sent me over a video of Joe Biden actually signing the executive orders that screwed up the border. And he was really proud of it at the time. What's also kind of compelling, and we have two different videos of Joe Biden. One was the couple days after he took office when he started undoing all of the Trump stuff, you know, because he didn't agree with the policy is his claim. Basically, he wanted to break this country and see if he could do it. And he, he was remarkably successful on that measure. But additionally, what he was trying to do, uh, when you compare him to what he's at right now, like he's like a feeble shell of what he was only a couple of years ago. You always see these pictures of the president, like you see Barack Obama going in and he's kind of handsome and he's got dark hair and he comes out and he's like gray. It's like eight years. That's kind of a long time. But eight years and the stress of that office looks crippling to otherwise, you know, sort of virile looking guys going in. I think... Uh, uh, Bush had the same issues when you watched GW. He went in and, and looked significantly older, not just a decade older, but like aged dramatically during that time frame. I think the stress of that job. And then imagine that you're already, you know, a thousand years old with 50 years in the government, like sucking at the government teat. And then you get elevated to that position and you absolutely fail at it. In three years, you've, I mean, Biden's probably aged 15 years worth of intellectual capabilities. It just looks terrible. Uh, it looks absolutely terrible. So, ah, so we're dealing with it. We're seeing it. They failed at this impeachment, and a lot of it is just a stab in their own leg. You know, it's like stab yourself in the leg and then try to run the marathon. You're going to do it with a smaller majority. I don't, I don't understand it, but it, this is all going to tie together when we look at the end, which is the fact that we have a non-functioning Republican National Committee. The committee fails. And so it's not surprising that the politicians also are not running on clean guidance, making good decisions, and actually moving the ball forward. That being said, the other arguments that they've made throughout this piece and throughout CNN's sort of take on the Mike Johnson speakership is that it's not passing bills. And I don't think that is a loss. If you're a conservative and your Congress is not out there passing new laws, I think you're winning. I feel like I'm winning. You guys remember, if you go back, you can rewind back the tape to last year. My argument was no one for speaker. And no one for speaker means nobody comes in and screws it up. Nobody passes extra bills. We don't give $60 million to Ukraine like this new failed Senate bill. We don't go out there and fund foreign wars. We don't get into anything because no one for speaker means they can't move the ball at all. And at the very least, we can serve the crappy position we're in and it doesn't get any worse. And you leave the presidency sort of just stuck doing executive orders, whatever kind of nonsense they're able to do with that. That's that's the hope. That's what I would hope. And uh, I think I've been I think I've been proven correct. I think a number of you guys have actually hit me up on social media and let me know. No one for speaker always was the right term. Uh, folks, if you're just joining us and you're joining us live here uh, on X or on YouTube or anywhere else, you can always find the live chat at rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. We highly encourage you to come there. Give us a like while you're at it and uh, thumb this video up. And if you want to follow it, great. If you want to subscribe to the channel, it's like five bucks a month. It goes directly to us and it supports this channel. So 100%, I appreciate that. I'm going to do a little palate cleanse before we start talking about the another failure, which is fantastic. Like I said, impeachment failure, kind of predictable. You didn't have a very strong uh, majority and he got a lot of people that are weak and they're on the fence and they're going to fall on the wrong side of the fence. But what we also have is uh, some kind of amusing news coming out of Nevada. So we'll do that. But before we do, I promised you we would start with a Morgan Freeman. So let me make sure I've got the right Morgan Freeman. This is what we think about Black History Month over here at the Kyle Serafin Show. I hope you guys can appreciate it. I chopped this thing up and made it shorter on the recommendation of someone I trust very highly. You're going to relegate my history to a month? I don't want a Black History Month. Black history is American history. 
How are we going to get rid of racism? Until... Stop talking about it. I'm going to stop calling you a white man. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you to stop calling me a black man. That's it. That's all we want to do. We just want to stop calling people names. Maybe we could just work as Americans. It's actually the same thing that could happen if we had people in the House, if we had people in the Senate that just looked and they weren't calling each other a Republican or a Democrat. They just said, I'm an American. Our DHS secretary has fallen down on the job, is failing the American people, is not doing the job that is asked of him. And objectively, we should not have someone do that. And we need to send a message. Wouldn't that be nice if we actually cared about certain things? We don't have that sort of reality. We don't live in that world. We live in a silly world. We're going to come back to border stuff and the silliness of it, specifically Chris Murphy, who makes me want to puke. I despise the uh, all the representatives basically out of Connecticut. Uh, My in-laws live there. And uh, and at one point they asked if we would move there. And of course, living near your in-laws when you have babies is a great idea because then you've got grandparents. And I think the continuity of wisdom across generations, even people that you disagree with politically, it's inherently valuable. And yet, I, I think I told her very early on, before we had kids, my wife and I had this discussion. It's like, could we ever live in Connecticut? And the answer is like, absolutely not. Uh, the birthplace of American freedom, where the first shots of the American Revolutionary War were fired, where people threw off the yoke of tyranny. The people of Connecticut have embraced it so heavily that basically I own 100 felonies that I can't move there. And I'm not going to do that. And, uh, and it's sad. And so their representatives are the worst. Massachusetts, the other one awful. My buddy George Hill complains about that privately with me on a regular basis. It's so sad to see the people who were, you know, theoretically the most hopeful in the 1760s and 1770s who looked forward and went like the the ancestors of those people. I think they all moved out west. I think that's what happened. I think all the hope just left the area and all you were left with were people who internalized state tyranny. Um, Most of the people that live in those states right now would have sided with the Brits. So I don't ever want to hear about them talking about the Constitution for whatever that's worth. Uh, Kyle Seraphin hot takes of the day. So let's keep pushing onward. Let's keep pushing upward. We've got this. Uh, we, we've got this really fun thing that just happened the other day. Nothing worse than uh, than than losing to no one. And that's what Nikki Haley's experience was. You want to talk about an abject failure. This is coming from Fox News. Trump wasn't on the ballot, but Nikki Haley loses the Nevada Republican presidential primary. Okay, so we have to understand that there are two things going on in Nevada at one time. Number one, uh, there is a caucus, which is where all of the delegates are awarded, and Donald Trump will probably win that on Thursday. That's the expectation. There's no one else that's really going to compete with him. And then they also have this primary, which is essentially ceremonial and doesn't mean anything. The funniest thing about the ceremonial primary, and so what you're seeing on the screen right now, um, on the bottom side, you have the Fox News coverage. On the top side, you have the CNN coverage. They also cover this Big, big ways right up at the front. They covered it for um, ABC and CBS and MSNBC all had this on their primary pages when I got up this morning. So this was a big deal to them that their preferred candidate, the political left's preferred candidate, Nikki Haley, was unable to be successful, not just on the ballot uh, against, you know, a formidable opponent, a former president. No. She wasn't even able to secure a victory. Here's the line. Ready? Voters casting ballots in the state-run Republican nominating contest couldn't write in Trump's name, but they could vote for a single spot that said, quote, none of these candidates. Okay? So there's no write-in. There's no Trump. There's Nikki Haley. I don't know if there were others on there. We don't actually see a sample ballot. But what we do know is that one of the options was nobody. And nobody... Remember, remember the Kyle Serafin position, nobody for speaker, actually nobody for Republican nominee 
was victorious over somebody, and that somebody was Nikki Haley. The Associated Press projected that none of these candidates would defeat Nikki Haley. (laughs) It's put in air quotes because it sounds ridiculous when you say it out loud. But if you can imagine the full phrase, none of these candidates is the winner over Nikki Haley in a primary where no delegates were awarded. And then you have her making this like half-assed, this half-assed sort of, uh, I don't know, rebuttal. It's it's quoted in multiple places that like, you know, the House always wins even on the penny slot. So Donald Trump knows better than to come here and waste his time. And yet they wasted their time. And she was in a contest. And the fact is, is that she lost to, to like not a person. That just shows you the, the absolute astroturf nature of the Nikki Haley candidacy. We know that nobody is interested. And also to prove that nobody is interested, I had like this weird bot account approach me on Twitter, sent me a DM. I almost put the DM up on the screen here for you guys to read only because I think it's funny, but I don't want to publicize this person any more than necessary. Claimed several things. Number one, I'm an attorney. I don't care. Uh, Number two, my dad is a retired FBI agent. Thanks. I blame your dad for screwing up my former agency. My ex-girlfriend is crazy because of people who retired and didn't do their job. So I don't care. Apparently, he was also involved in the Randy Weaver scenario. I didn't even dig into that, but that's even worse. And then the last thing was, I'm a Nikki Haley voter. And they didn't like my take on uh, what was going on in Idaho. Number one, I know what's going on in Idaho because my friends are actually in that office, although I haven't talked to them directly. I have ways of getting information directly out of the office in Coeur d'Alene. So what you heard from our episode, um, They're All Feds, what you heard there was really, really clear inside reporting from people who are in like objectively clean places to learn. And I also have some back channels to the supervisor I was talking about. I don't want to get too far into it only because... You can just, I'm, I'm literally going to tell you, just trust me, bro, on this one. I know that's the worst answer. I'm not going to expose anybody just for the sake of our podcast. But if you trust me already a little bit, you can trust me. I'm giving you good information. There. Anyway, she didn't like my, uh, she didn't like that I was quoting the Idaho Tribune, which I don't know about their other reporting, but that reporting was spot on. And it included information that was not public and not easily accessible or available. So, you know, piss off is essentially my, my comment about this. Okay, we're going to get even weirder. Uh, before we do, let's say, let's just recommend... Our other favorite sponsor here for Patriots. I'm going to recommend you guys. Prepare or repair is something I learned from my buddy Charlie Ray. He's a New Yorker, but he's a lovable one. He's an Iron Man. He's a stud. He's a physical fitness stud, even almost 50 years old. And I highly recommend you guys do that. Prepare. That means going to fourpatriots.com slash Kyle. That means making sure that you are set up for a disaster. That means that you have emergency food. So you are not going to be a personal emergency if you are looking at a neighborhood, a regional, or even a nationwide emergency. And those are all possibilities. This is 2024. I think this year is going to be lit. We're just about to get into the chaos. We are just getting started. We are at the starting line of this weird race. Fourpatriots.com slash Kyle. Go there and hedge against insanity, which is essentially what we should bet. We've got a failed border. We've got a failed president. We've got an election coming up that's going to look really ugly. We've got all kinds of crazy people coming in that are going to put stresses on all of our infrastructure. Do you really want to put your life in the hands of being able to drive to the grocery store and pick up calories should you need it? There's nothing worse than a, than a hungry baby or a hungry child or a hungry spouse. Go to fourpatriots.com slash Kyle or use the promo code Kyle at checkout when you go to get yourself squared away. 72 hours, month long, full year, They've got all the different calorie packs out there. And uh, you can also look at some of the other survival gear. They've got all kinds of stuff on it. So highly recommend you guys just get yourself set up. You, you're, Let me tell you this. When you have an emergency happen, you're willing to trade all of your money for comfort at that point. You can do it beforehand, and it's much, much less expensive to do it that way. All right. So we're going to continue on here. 
And why is all this stuff, uh, you know, why is the, the media trying to push Nikki Haley? They're terrified of Trump. We know that. They're so terrified that I found this today. And this one is a good, good, interesting little piece. This comes from Rachel Maddow's blog, which is on MSNBC. We've got like a disproportionate representation of MSNBC today. Just letting you all know it's coming at us a little bit heavy. This is uh, written by a guy named Steve Bennon, not Bannon, but Bennon, B-E-N-E-N. And it says, polling, a Trump conviction would have a major impact on the 2024 race. You don't say. You don't say, folks. At roughly two years, there was plenty of polling ahead of the 2022 midterms. Although a key caveat lingered overhead. Republican appointed justices on the Supreme Court hadn't yet overturned Roe v. Wade. Apparently, we're going to go back to abortion. But that's not the data from June. But it's not the data from June 2022 was irrelevant. It was just that it was a broad understanding that the data was unlikely to give us a profound development because we hadn't actually seen what that ruling was. Okay, so they're worried about that. Same story that they are relating to what's going on with Donald Trump. He's been indicted. He's had search warrants, you know, laid out at his house by my ex-girlfriend, my friends over at the Washington field office who have decided to go and break all precedent and all previous experience in American history and do federal law enforcement action, not just on a guy who is the former president of the United States, but a guy who was running for the for the next president of the United States. So they did all these pollings, public research opinion. They're trying to figure out. There's a Monmouth poll found that um, a third of South Carolina Republicans. Oh, OK, we're going to do the, the South Kakalaka game, right? We're going to talk about it. Why? Nikki Haley again. Um, we want to see Trump replaced on a GOP ticket if he's convicted of a crime before Election Day. Okay, so one-third of Republicans are concerned that if Trump was, in fact, convicted on any of these things, and they've got their, they've got multiple baskets, right? They're not carrying all the eggs in one. They've got them in two different federal jurisdictions and two different state jurisdictions, and they all look ridiculous from my end, mostly because of what the charges are and the fact that they're doing it in the first place. You got Bloomberg doing a poll from last week, found that half of the swing state voters wouldn't vote for Trump if he were convicted. Do you see why they're pushing this so hard? Do you see why they want these things to go to trial? So quickly, it's so important that they get this thing to go to trial, specifically because if they can convict him, there's a possibility they knock him out, mostly because they've got an absolute dog crap candidate that they're running, an old, feeble man, which, like I said, I'm going to play you a little bit of video of showing just how weak and how pathetic he was versus his, his opening term. We'll do them almost back to back so you guys can see the change. And it's dramatic. Every time you do it, it's it's more and more shocking. In December, there was a, a national YouGov poll showing that Trump and Biden were tied 44% each. Obviously, we know that now new NBC polling, as we told you the other day, has Biden down five points to Trump. But the same poll found that Biden had a seven-point advantage in response to a potential Trump criminal conviction. So it's going to move the needle for some some independents if, if you were able to find out that, uh, in fact, he was guilty by a jury of whatever we're going to call these people in Washington, D.C., or in Florida, or in Georgia, or in New York— which means you've got basically three unfriendly, un, unfriendly districts for him to be tried in. Like I said, state and federal, both of these things coming at the guy because they just need to get the guy out because they cannot face him fairly in a head-to-head -head race. There's That's why the media is going so hard. They have to. They've got no other choice. They've made their beds. And also, I think they're probably terrified, if we're going to be honest. They're probably terrified that all of this stuff is going to come back on them in a Trump presidency. Like, I would be shocked if he let any of these people in the White House, even though I think he loves the, the fight, kind of like I go on Twitter and I love the fight. I wouldn't be shocked if Donald Trump was like, eh, we're just not going to grant press credentials. We're just going to let uh, small, tiny newspapers, and that would be the right move.
Just let only local papers, only local radio, only local people, no national affiliation. All the uh, the big media, they all have sort of bastardized themselves. They've laid themselves out and they've thrown their credibility away, which is why so many people are looking to independent media and uh, and they're looking for just answers. Uh, that being said, another plug, give us a thumbs up if you're watching us on Rumble. If you're not and you want to join the chat, which I can't even keep track of because it continues to move as my eyes go over there, uh, that's where we're going to go. Let's let's touch one more little piece here because this is about the failure and we're going to talk border stuff. This is border failures, okay? Politico. Boom. Failure. Mitch McConnell tried to push this thing forward, tried to uh, tried to have us believe that there was something here. And now what he's saying is that there was no real chance to make a law here. He's admitted defeat on it. It will not become law. They're not even going to get any votes that are going to be enough to pass it through the Senate. So we don't even have to worry about what goes on in the House. Thankfully, the real key here is, is that a lot of the American people covered it. And that's what you guys are interested in. You're interested in not screwing up our border just because it's already screwed up. We don't make it worse simply because we need to do something. That attitude, do something, is the worst. This is Politico reporting uh, saying that McConnell essentially declared that the border security foreign aid package. You'll notice that none of those things, those are totally unrelated. A border security foreign aid package, dead on arrival. Telling reporters we have no real chance to make a law. Good. Good, good, good. After four months of negotiation, which Mitch McConnell has personally called for and repeatedly supported, the GOP leader said it lacks the support in his conference. He noted staunch opposition from the House Republican leadership. This should be the end of Mitch McConnell. He spent four months trying to get this thing through, came out in favor of it, and then has to take a 180-degree reversal, as uh, Chuck Schumer calls it. He said Leader McConnell and the Republican conference did a 180-degree reversal. No, that's not what happened. Let's be really realistic. What Chuck Schumer is trying to do is act like the Republicans are in disarray. What happened is the Republicans are actually listening to the people that vote for them, which is what we want. And they were out making a deal that sucked, and that deal that sucked came to light, and it was covered aggressively just the way that we're going to find out in that red state coverage of Ron and McDaniels, it was covered aggressively to the point where they had no choice, but they had to walk away from it because it was trash. And we covered that long form the other day. Highly agree or highly recommend that you guys go back and look at that. If you're not following it, there's stuff on Twitter. There's stuff on um, there's stuff on our program. And a lot of others have said, you know, the individual specifics, just the amount of money and the changes and moving the original jurisdiction for dealing with administrative uh, problems for immigration goes directly to D.C., which is favorable to Democrats. It's a Democrat wet dream. They get everything they want, and it does none of the things that we should want. We, people who want America, conservatives. You don't have to be a Republican to be a conservative. You just don't want America to fall over and get overrun top-heavy with just millions of people that have no business being here, that have no job skills, that have no language skills, and are either victims of crime or are going to be participating in crime on their own. They have to. They've already started with a crime. We're going to... Um, we're going to actually kind of talk about sort of the, the, the disingenuous framing. It's so disingenuous. The framing of how this works is the Democrats are always moving the narrative to whatever they want to talk about. You're going to hear Chris Murphy in a second. First, we're going to start with Joe Biden. But Chris Murphy actually talks about how it's really dangerous to cross in the desert. That's why we have to create better crossing points. How about this, a-hole? How about you don't get to cross into our country if it's illegal? The end. I don't need a safer crossing because the, the the desert is dangerous. I want a bigger desert and I want moats and I want alligators and all the other stuff that we talked about the other day. All right, let's start with Joe Biden letting us know that he has certain priorities and um, they have nothing to do with yours. He's the president. Again, watch how much more 
aware he is. Also watch his eyes while he's wearing this idiot mumble mask. He's staring down at his sheet of paper, which has all of his notes that he's about to sign. He doesn't have the bill in front of him. He's literally reading just a page of notes that are written up for him. He still had no ability to do anything other than teleprompter or read off a script, but at least he's a little bit more virile. All right, so this is, uh, this is Joe Biden to start us off. Today, I'm going to sign a few executive orders um, uh, to strengthen the immigration system, building on uh, the executive actions I took on day one to protect dreamers and uh, to end the Muslim ban and to better manage our borders. And that's what these uh, three different uh, executive orders are about. And I want to make it clear, there's a lot of talk with good reason about the number of executive orders that I've signed. I'm not making new law. I'm eliminating bad policy. Um, what I'm doing is taking on the issues that 99% of them that the president, the last president of the United States, issued executive orders I thought were very counterproductive to our security, counterproductive to who we are as a country, particularly in, uh, in, uh, in the area of immigration. This is about uh, how America is safer, stronger, more prosperous when we have a fair, orderly and uh, humane legal immigration system. Okay, so nothing about what he's talking about is what was going on. He's actually talking about illegal immigrants, which is not the way that you're supposed to come in. You're not supposed to come here as an asylum seeker, which is to say that there's a political problem in your home country where there is actually credible fear that your government, not people, not the economic situation, not the cartels or the criminal gangs, the actual government is supposed to be coming at you. When I was a kid, there were people that came in and sought asylum in the United States. They defected from, like, North Korea. You ever heard the word defected? It means that they came from another country and they took, like, something of value or they ran away because they were in fear. We had Soviet MiG pilots land on U.S. military bases. We had Russians that came and said, I'm no longer interested in being there. And by the way, if I go home, I'll be killed now. So we have to take them. Political asylum. People did it from Cuba. Political asylum. People came here from China. Political asylum. Political asylum is exactly what it means. And the abuse of this word is so disgusting. They're supposed to present themselves in the first safe country. That's why if you fly a fighter jet and you come and fly and land on U.S. soil, the last country you were in was yours. The next one you're in is ours. We can take you. But if you land in Venezuela and Venezuela is safe, boom, that's where you stay. If you land in Haiti because you're a bad pilot and you land, you're like Christopher Columbus and you land out there in the Caribbean, boom, that's where you go. That's where you're supposed to stay. You're not supposed to go, hey, I live in, um, I don't know, Kenya, and I'm going to go to Ecuador, and then I'm going to march my happy ass all the way up to the U.S. border and present myself in Brownsville, and then I'm going to try to be in the American uh, you know, asylum system. Kick them all out. There's nothing about this that makes any sense. There's nothing humane about breaking our own laws in order to bring these people in. But again, it's all about the framing. And you heard every, by the way, that, those little cards, you see him, he was just moving through his little like note cards. That was before they started putting teleprompters in front of him. That was when he was actually in the Oval Office, I believe. And uh, that was before they created the set where they moved him across the street so he could actually have like a teleprompter right in front of his eyeballs. Uh, all right, so Chris Murphy now on MSNBC, again, overrepresented. We're going to play this and you guys will get a little taste of his take. Once again, it's all about, the children and it's all about safety and being a nice person. No, it's about you are letting people break our laws and you swore to uphold our constitution and protect the American people. And you suck. These people suck. Here's Chris Murphy. I despise this guy. Here we go. Senator, does this fix the asylum system or as some are claiming, does this essentially shut down, uh, eliminate the, the asylum system in our country? 
So there is no day in which um, the entire asylum system is shut down. What we know is that it is very dangerous for people to cross the border in the desert in between the ports of entry. So what this bill does is say that we are going to set up a process by which people are encouraged and funneled to present for asylum at the ports of entry, right, at places where you can safely manage the flow of individuals into the asylum system. And then it's going to create a much faster adjudication system, a fair adjudication system with due process and appeals right, but a system where you're going to get a judgment in a matter of months, not in a matter of years. So we are not shutting down the ability of people to apply for asylum. We are just creating a system that is much more orderly and much more expedient. And Senator, if President Biden, who supports this bill, and we're waiting to hear from him any minute now, this is what he had to say yesterday about a specific aspect, dreamers. And the one thing I am disappointed that we didn't get the Senate piece was I think it's about time that we have all those young people who came and now the dreamers. It's ridiculous. Can you imagine you're four years old, your mom says we're across the immigration. No, mom, leave me here. I don't want to go. Come on. What the hell's going on here? Can you imagine when we're over here? Ah. Of course he's interested in the little kids. Of course he wants a four-year-old coming over, that creep. But here's the thing. It's about dreamers. It's about a functional asylum system. Are you? Are, are we out of our effing minds right now? I'm, I'm so hot about this thing, I can't even stand it. We don't have to have a functional asylum system. That's not what we're talking about. They're actually conflating the words asylum and immigration, which he used to talk about legal immigration. Then they took illegal immigration and they called it asylum and they're calling it an asylum system. Are you guys tracking this? It's the movement of language. It's constantly this progressive leftist thing they do. They're constantly doing this game. They are trying to move the needle so that you now think of the way to come to this country is just show up and try to push your way in. Think about that at your house. You know, who's going to show up? Is that a guest or is that someone barging in? You know how it would go at my house. You try to push your way in my house. You're probably going to get put down. We're going to have to put you in one of the little holes in the backyard that my kids dig with the spoons. I cannot understand how people on the political left are so easily manipulated and I know that you guys are fr frustrated and pissed off about this as well. We don't have an asylum system and you can't start it or stop it. Asylum is based on laws and there is an entire immigration system, which is meant to accept people that come here and apply for it. And then on top of that, there's an entire system that is meant to repel the a-holes that show up and skip the line because they're not part of the immigration system. They are criminals. They are criminal illegal aliens that have snuck into our country and we should be throwing them out wholesale. It's been it's been infuriating since I was a little kid and I wasn't particularly political as a kid, but they assume that you're dumb going back into the 90s. I recall that the question was, is like, well, what do we do? They're already here. They got houses. Who cares? Who cares if they have houses? Imagine if somebody grabbed a bunch of money from a bank and then they're running out with it and then they're in their car and they're counting their money and you see them and you're a police officer. Do you go like, well, they've got this money and now it's in their hands? Ugh. No, you arrest the a-hole and you drag them off. So crazy. No memory whatsoever. I see my mom in the chat right now, guys. That's what's really funny to me. That's the world I live in right now. <laughs> Let's talk about Duel de Blasio. Look, we're, I told you there's a ton of failure. Let's go from that failure to another failure. We'd be, we'd be wrong not to. I love this. I love this picture. If you're looking on our Rumble channel, what you're seeing right now is Bill de Blasio kind of slumping and talking to a, a DHS officer 
right? <laughs> and he's like hanging onto the fence, like talking to him through chain link. And he's got 50 cameras behind him and everybody's getting a picture. It's a great photo op. This is an op-ed published by Bill de Blasio, former mayor of New York, who, who screwed it up, saying Texas is trying to punish New Yorkers for our border crisis. There's a better way, bro. I mean, gaslight me harder, please. Can you gaslight me harder than that? Texas is not trying to pub punish New Yorkers. Texas is saying, hey, idiots, you voted for this. Enjoy. Why don't you enjoy a little bit of what we got going on? Here he says, I'm a Democrat and a progressive, but I also believe it's time for a stronger, more effective border security. No kidding. And then what does he cite? His time when he went down on a bipartisan delegation of American mayors to uh, the Texas border just outside of El Paso in 2019 when it was not screwed up because Donald Trump was running it. And there, the government had a tent city. It looked strangely like a detention camp. Yeah, it is a detention camp. They're criminals, you idiot. Man, migrant children disconnected from their families. They were all inhabitants. The temperatures were scorching. Guess what? Don't leave where you live where you might have some better comfort and come here and expect something that you don't you're not entitled to. You're not entitled to that. This is not your country. Nobody owes you anything. You broke the law. You're lucky that they put you in a tent. They could just chain you up in the desert. That's not how we operate. That's not how Americans do it. But man, we're fed up with this thing. Apparently, since August of 2022, Texas has bust over 33,000 migrants, also known as illegals, to New York City. He's crying about 33,000 illegal immigrants. Man, there was that in a week in Texas. 302,000 snuck into across the border states. 302,000 in December. Just last, like two months ago. A month and a half ago. 302,000, he's crying about 33,000 that have come to New York. It has directly cost New Yorkers $708 million. Oh my goodness, according to Mayor Adams. And that money is desperately needed because they need to put it into their schools and their safe communities and their diversity efforts and hiring people that suck. Nope. But the bigger problem, it's that the that one state government is purposely penalizing other people in other states, and that's un-American. This is Bill de Blasio's take. I almost can't stand it. I actually have to go over to something else. What I did was... I found this clip, and I think it was yesterday. This is Mayor Adams talking about how he's going to solve the problem because he's, you know, basically a genius. He's a uh, self-hype and an excellent promoter of his own ideas. This is Mayor Adams letting you know that his plan, which included like $53 million of taxpayer money to solve a problem that they're into, they're super into it. Why are they into it? We know because they're a sanctuary city. They love illegal immigrants as long as they don't come to their city. Well, guess what? Now it's coming to your city. And his plan was, we're going to give them these renewable gift cards, these, these prepaid visas. They're not gift cards. They're uh, whatever. They're, they're reloadable um, prepaid money cards. And he is going to make sure that they get money, you know, because it's cheaper to give people money than to not give people money in retarded Democrat math. This is Adams talking about it. Apparently, uh, 50 Cent, the, the rapper who I didn't even know was still around, but apparently is. He's like, this is garbage. Like, what are you doing with my tax dollars? Are you nuts? And then Mayor Adams had to address it. Look at the pretty ladies on either side of him. That's who he's hiring. And uh, here we go. This is Eric Adams discussing his brilliant plan. He's just a smart manager, y'all. The smartest manager of any business would always give away what he's giving. We'll talk about the numbers in one second here. Let's do it. Here we go. So I know on the first brush you look at it and say oh wait a minute what are you doing you're getting people cars but once you dig into the numbers and in the line you'll see that this was a smart policy shift that we're doing on a pilot project with 500 people if this is successful we're going to expand it even more so that we can bring down we got to bring down the cost 20 percent we want to bring down the cost and uh their team are, are doing their job so uh i told um 50 cent to hit me up i would love to explain it 
uh, to him uh, so that he can go out and do another tweet of saying, you know what, Eric is just a smart manager, and now we understand why he was elected by the people of this city of New York to be the mayor. He may even write a song about me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I also want to say Joy Ann Reed did a wonderful response to Fiddy. Uh, where she really breaks it down. So I encourage everybody to look at that. And and as the mayor said, this is a part of a $2 billion, up to almost $2 billion reduction in costs that the team has really pushed forward. This is the old, like, we're saving money. And if we didn't spend money on this deal that's on sale, then we'd be losing money. But we're actually spending money. We're going to reduce it by $2 billion by giving away. You heard that. The pilot program is 500 illegals are going to get $1,000 a month. That's five hundred thousand dollars. They're going to give away a half million dollars because that's what a good manager does. They give away money because it's more efficient to give them the money and then reload it later. Like you don't have to go give them the cards the second time. So luckily they can expand this pilot program. And uh, yes, is there some self love? Did he uh, did he go out there and say uh, Fifty Cent's going to write a song about him? Great, that's that's hilarious. I went looking. So that was Sheena Wright. That was the first deputy mayor who followed up and was talking about whether or not uh, you know what the plan was and, and trying to do another pump job for him. What I have for you um, is, number one, I went to go try to find that Joy Ann Reed. That's Joy Reed from MSNBC. Like I said, disproportionately represented. I went to go find that clip. I couldn't find it. I found something else that's interesting. But I also got 50 Cent's response from Twitter, which I'm going to throw up here on the screen. We're just going to read it. It says, I talked to NYC Mayor Eric Adams. He broke down why this pilot program was in place. He appears to be on point and on top of things. Now I want to talk to Kathy Hutchell about the laws preventing him from doing things to make the situation better in New York. Yeah, it's both of them. They both suck. That's funny. And where is this proposed $2.4 billion she's planning to spend on migrants coming from? Not my taxes. Man, isn't it interesting? When you start running out of other people's money and it starts talking out of your money, I bet you 50 Cent pays a decent amount of taxes. Ain't that something? Uh, I bet he's pissed. I would be too. He probably pays a lot more in taxes than I do. Probably pays more than you do. Uh, like I said, Joy Reid tried to find this. She's actually still scared. Just like that we need to convict Trump. They're also trying to uh, try to peel away anybody that's black that might be interested in a, a Donald Trump because... Trump is just a smart messenger. And what he did was, is under the COVID relief policies, which were trash, they, uh, you know, they wrote out these, these stimulus checks and then he just put his name on them, which is not dumb. It's not dumb. It's a bad plan. It's a bad plan to give away money for people that are not working. That's not what our government is designed to do. And yet Donald Trump was like, man, all right, well, if you're going to give away money, I'm at least going to be the guy who signs the check because I run the executive and I have the ability to do that. So this is Joy Reid freaking out about that as well, because apparently people have you know bad memories, don't know anything. Democrat voters, you can you can exploit the low information voters on both sides, apparently. And uh, that scares the hell out of a Joy Reid. Here's some uh, a little MSNBC panel. I don't know who the hell sexy red is, but we're going to hear about this anyhow. Let's go. I am now going to play for you. Normally, I wouldn't do this. Usually, I wouldn't do this, but I'm going to play Sexy Red. All right. Sexy Red is a hip-hop artist who's very popular. And here is what she said back in last October. Take a listen. Uh, Do you think more people are going to support Trump now in the hood or no? Yeah, they support him in the hood. Because at first, I don't think uh, people were with him. Like, they thought he was racist, saying little and, you know, against women. But once he started getting black people out of jail and giving people their free money, oh, baby, we love Trump. We need him back in office. Yeah, that, a little bit of free money goes a long way. We huh? need him back. Because, yeah. baby, them <laughs> checks. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, them stimulus checks, Trump, we miss you. Okay, first of all, y'all needed to see <laughs> Stephanie Rose. We're going to Theo Vaughn and Sexy Red. That's where we're going. Straight Sis, that's what we're going. And all the right, reason I'm telling it. you that is because I hear this a lot, yeah. Allie. Yeah. People have a mismemory. They forget that Donald Trump opposed the STEMI. For how Fought long? it. 
fought it. Long it was forever. Congress was in like twisting itself into pretzels to not give people six hundred bucks. Yes. Why? Yeah, because Congress doesn't exist to give people six hundred bucks, idiots. I would fight everybody on that stage at once, including the women. I don't know why. I just like I saw you guys in the chat saying how much you hate them. I despise them. They're just the worst. And the, the, the fact is, is that you've got these clowns out there mad about misremembering. Yeah, well, guess what? You guys play, it plays both ways. Donald Trump took advantage of something, which is that people don't know anything. And if we don't educate our friends and our neighbors and we're not out there telling them stuff, then uh, then they're not going to have any information. And, and you could easily change opinions with that. And Donald Trump did it with the stroke of a pen on the bottom of a letter that went out to everybody with their physical stimulus checks. What I cut away from before you guys heard it was uh, Joy Reid talking about the unbanked and the underbanked, which... The terms that the political left has created, the unbanked, are you shitting me? <laughs> I just, I can't. I can't right now. However, however, we talk about free money. So let's get to the lead story that we wanted to get into today. I didn't mean to bury it so deep, but we did. Uh, the lead story is a complete failure and, uh, and maybe now a success story. Why? Because of investigative journalism. Thank God for people who are going to do out and do the work the blue collar work of doggedly holding the powerful and the wealthy and so on accountable. Before we do that, I want to say thanks to my friends who are sponsoring this show. Uh, certainly not powerful or wealthy, but good people nonetheless. There they are, Patriot Coolers. Folks, you guys can support Patriot Coolers by going to their website. It's patriotcoolers.com. There's an S on the end of it. Patriotcoolers.com. You are seeing the Seraphim family minivan. There it is. The Seraphim family minivan full of groceries. I use my cooler all the time. That's a 50 quart. It's in tan. If you're looking into the camping season or if you're looking as a preparation option, you want to be able to keep food at temperature, that's a good way to do it. They've got great tumblers. They are handsome. They are indeed, uh, especially with a little suspendable sticker on it. they got 50 stars on the bottom that are engraved in there. And it says Patriot right there. It says it in ghost letters right here on the handle. Oh, you can't see that one. There it is. Right there on the handle. Love these things. They're absolutely fantastic. I've been using them for coming up on like six and change years. A good company. Good people. They support American veterans and they help uh, refinish houses for mobility. They give a percentage of all their their profits out to a, a veteran charity. Use the promo code Kyle. I better say that again. Promo code Kyle K Y L E. The promo code Kyle will save you ten percent whenever you decide to buy it. And if you spend fifty bucks or more, then you're going to get free shipping on PatriotCoolers.com. You can follow them on social media as well at PatriotCoolers. So easy. And I appreciate Rose for throwing that in the chat. I thank you so much for doing that. You're always the best doing that, Rose. Uh, Rose just got kicked off Twitter. The other day, she got kicked off Twitter for escaping a ban from Twitter because she's never been on Twitter. So they assume that she must have been banned. Twitter's a weird place. Not a great thing. All right. Ready? Let's go. Here it is. One, two, three. Kaboom. And a great story by Jennifer Van Lahr. She writes over at Red State. Red State is a great, a great publication. You guys can support them if you choose redstate.com. This one says updated after Red State's reporting, which we covered, right? We talked about the money, the, all that free money for flowers. And for limos and all the other kind of nonsense that the RNC was basically lighting your money on fire if you were a Republican donor. After Red State's reporting rocked the RNC winter meeting, Rona McDaniels is stepping down. And that's what's supposed to happen. What's supposed to happen is if you screw up and there is nobody else that's holding anybody accountable, the independent press is going to do it. They're supposed to go out there and find out what's going wrong. They're the ones who are supposed to, to look into it. That's what their job is. Hold the powerful to account. It's fantastic stuff. Embattled Republican National Committee Chairwoman Rona McDaniels, or Rona McDaniels, plans to resign after the South Carolina primary, per the New York Times. They said, uh, they're quoting the New York Times. I don't need to quote the New York Times. We're just going to talk what Jennifer has to say. She said, the news comes after red states reporting of frivolous spending and misplaced priorities. Didn't we have a whole show called Priorities? We did. 
rock the RNC's winter meeting in Las Vegas, including floral arrangements uh, to the tune of $70,000 consultants at over a million dollars and the uh, the conflicting report to the RNC. Now, Rona was like basically challenging it. And then, you know, she realized that it was overwhelming. And in fact, the sourcing that Jennifer Van Lahr had was good enough that she was actually able to uh, rebut the RNC pushback, which was obviously Rona, uh, Rana, <laughs> right in real time. She was able to push it back. She was like, oh, they're out there messaging that like this is not right. It's really gross. This is the grossest thing. People give in good faith because they say, how do I make a change? How do I do something? What can I do that is tangible, that's going to move the needle in this country so we don't have these a-holes out there that are trying to redefine immigration as asylum and so on? Well, it must be the Republican Party. That's the strongest one. That's who we're going to go to. So we're going to go to the Republican Party and we're going to give our money. You might give your time. But you're going to give money because you're trying to see better people elected and you expect that they will manage your money properly. This was the scandal, by the way, with Project Veritas. If you guys don't know, and and I have some inside information there as well that I don't want to doubt. I don't want to out anybody, but a lot of people from Project Veritas have still reached out to me. Some of them are really decent. And I, I thought nothing but uh, but good people over there that were working under James O'Keefe. The people that worked for James O'Keefe were almost exclusively like true believers in doing the right thing, doing this kind of reporting. And what happened was, is James was lighting their money on fire. He was taking, you know, like helicopter trips somewhere to get his boat fixed and stuff like that. You can't do that when you are a nonprofit, when you are taking other people's money to do the right thing. And so in this case, what we saw is a million dollars for consultants, who I'm sure are their buddies. And they're putting 70, you know, plus thousand dollars for flowers. As stated, you know, you can love flowers, $70,000 on flowers that is coming from other people's money seems like a real problem. You should be mad about this. Thankfully, this lady is tossed out. She's out on her ass. And, you know, she's probably done politically. I don't think she'll ever have another. Nobody wants to deal with this. She'd go work for the Nikki Haley campaign and maybe get funded by Democrats. She did a great job hamstringing Republicans in a lot of this stuff, like a great job. And so thankfully, this is not going to be the barrier to entry of putting money in places where it needs to be. We need folks who pay attention who do the right thing and are able to spend money where it's going to move the needle and make a difference. They need to have a much better, you know, interest in that than like themselves. I found so many pictures of Ronna McDaniel. Like who in the hell is she? Nobody cares. She's not a person that matters. She's not in office. She's someone that basically is running behind the scenes and she's kind of a kingmaker in that way. And yet no policy decisions, doing a bad job. Not good. Not good at all. Thankfully, outed. And like I said, done because of investigative reporters. If you guys are not following stuff at Red State, I used to spend a ton of time reading Red State. I would read almost everything on Red State when I was on surveillance because I had a lot of time on my hands. If you have six or eight hours and you just need to sit still and like not be watching a bad guy and listen to a radio and you need to like entertain your mind, you know, crack the window, make sure nobody's sneaking up on you. Read Red State. I did that. I read all of them. I used to go through the entirety of the website. I'm like, is there nothing more? I was the, uh, I was like uh, Brad Pitt in uh, in the movie Troy. I'm like, is there no one else? No one else has written anything. Anyway, here, hold on. What did you guys say? You want no more pictures of uh, Rona? Mc- uh, here she is. It's not Rhonda. It's Rona. R-O-N-N-A. There she is. She's on the screen twice. Why? Because she's waving goodbye both times. And I love it. Um, it's great. It's great for the uh, for the party. Honestly, I'm not a Republican, but I want to see the Republicans succeed. And in order to do that, we need to have people like that just out. They need to get out. 100% need to be gone. All right. So we got a couple other little pieces here we're going to cover down on. Uh, a really good story that I almost did something on yesterday, and I didn't cover it, but I'm going to today. It's coming from Catholic Vote. So you guys know Catholic Vote is one of our underwriters. They do a great job of sponsoring us. They do an outstanding, an outstanding um, news feed every single morning. I don't know why I blanked on that, but it's an email and it's called The Loop and you guys can get it by going to catholicvote.org. You're missing out. I have to check it every morning to make sure I'm not missing out on something that's quite important. 
go and sign up for the loop. Go to catholicvote.org. There's a little give button if you guys want to support the Kyle Serafin show there. They support us in a big way. Their money is very, very, very aggressively managed. I will just tell you that I've listened to them talk about spending money because I got to go out and see them all in Florida. And when I did, the discussion was, is what's the best way that we can spend our donors' money so that we're not wasting it and we're not abusing the uh, the responsibility that they put on us, that we're not abusing the privilege and and the and the trust that other people have given us. That's what nonprofits are supposed to do. If you sign up and you want to give money to something that is doing good work, they need to move the ball forward. Catholic Vote's a really good one. All right, so The Loop has this in it. Uh, this is coming from my buddy Josh Mercer, who is the editor over there. And so what do we have? Internal emails, pressure, the administration. What administration? The Biden administration. They pressured Amazon to remove books with COVID, quote unquote, misinformation. I guys, you remember this big push about book banning? Do you guys remember this? Republicans conservatives they all want to they all want to ban books right because they have pornography and we don't want them in school libraries jim jordan put this out we'll give jim, jim jordan his credit when he does it the uh, weaponization committee was able to uncover some information and actually i think it came out of heritage foundation but so be it uh exclusive reporting out of heritage covered here by catholic vote internal emails saying that they were trying to shut down specific books and amazon caved amazon agreed to press that to, to white house pressure to not push specific books that they didn't like. And there's an entire thread on Twitter. If you want, want to go, you can find it's called the Amazon files or it's on Jim Jordan's main profile. It's his pin tweet. It's coming out from, uh, I think ye day before yesterday, they've got redacted emails showing exactly what was going on, but emails from Amazon and the white house going back and forth saying that we are basically asking you to do the following things. Please, please enforce our policies. And because they're mouthpieces and Amazon does evil things like going after our friend Amy Nelson. They just lost on that. They were also fine with censorship specifically to move a political agenda. They said people can't make their own decisions about what books to buy. This is totalitarianism. Keeping smut and pornographic material away from underage children is called being a responsible parent. Right? That's how you do that. Keeping books away that are written by scientists, by doctors, by people who craft public policy and have different takes on that public policy. If you keep that away from American people, it's fundamentally un-American. And I have a major issue with people deciding to do that. There's some more over. Tyler O'Neill covered it for the Daily Signal, so you guys can see that. Again, bowing to that pressure to suppress books, anything that was skeptical of the COVID-19 vaccines. And now this is really personal to me because that's one of the reasons why I don't work at the FBI anymore. The Biden administration... They, they, uh, they forced my hand. They said, we're going to make you do something. And we said, no, we're not going to do that. And then they said, well, then you're not going to have a job. And we we're like, yeah, no, we already said we're not going to do it. Whatever the consequences are, those are on you and you've chosen them. Uh, the White House instructed, who is this guy? Slavitt. Uh, he became, you know, Slavitt was one of the individuals that was like basically a contact point. He was a senior advisor in the Biden's COVID response 19 COVID-19 response team, rather. So working under the Biden administration. And, uh, he pushed back and basically said, uh, everything's on the table. And, uh, Anything could be censored. They were, they found that there were uh, documents that were de demonstrating that he played a central role in communicating the censorship efforts to social media companies, including Amazon in this case, and specifically books. Wow. He complained to Amazon staff, quote, if you search for vaccines under books, I see what comes up. He's basically saying these are problems. Go fix them. They're looking for, quote unquote, manual interventions. Are you guys good with that? Are you good with the White House deciding what books you can buy? Really? How about local government deciding what things are in the library that they pay for? How about parents deciding what books that their kids can have? Do you see the big difference here? The bigger the government, the further away it is from you, the less likely it is to represent you accurately. And that is a massive problem.
It's a really big issue. I can't, I can't see a way out of that. Local government needs to be the thing that handles it, and they need to have the lightest touch possible. I said it the other day on a podcast when we were talking about it. Government is the worst solution to every problem, even when it's the only solution to the problem. We're not going to have private law enforcement, so we're going to have to have government do law enforcement. We're probably going to have to have government maintain roads, at least public roads that are you know in between jurisdictions. And yet, it's still the worst way to do it because government sucks. Government always sucks. Literally, it sucks in money, and it puts out mediocre efforts. And if you are a high-performing employee, which many of the suspendables were, and you can find it, the minute that you start looking for more work, when you start challenging the status quo, when you start trying to get results that you would need to achieve, if you're somebody who came from the private industry and you're like, oh, private industry would look for metrics, results, success, et cetera, and I'm going to do the opposite of it, when you don't, when you can't stay with that, you are actually a liability to your colleagues. There's a reason why close enough for government work, it just means a shitty job. It means you didn't do a great job. That's all there is to it. And uh, unfortunately, that's the nature of it. Now, a lot of it has to do with the education system. I have to imagine we're going to play uh, just a, a great advertisement. I'm doing an advertisement for homeschooling. So we'll just do that up front. Um, this is our, let's see, this is video number eight. If you have a difficulty understanding the difference between what a musician is and what a magician is, then it's possible that the education system failed you or you failed yourself or your parents failed you or you're just a failure or you're a young mogul who's on TikTok. So uh, context for this clip, which is kind of our, I don't know if it's our dad joke of the day. My dad joke is actually coming at the end. This is kind of like, it scares me, but it makes me laugh. I keep telling people on uh, social media, my kids are going to be post-apocalyptic warlords. Yours might be too. Yours can be post-apocalyptic warlords as well. If they are not like this trashy piece of garbage, um, this woman, this podcast, this the, the, the little gal here, the, the young girl, the little white girl who's wearing the little tube top, she does these really awkward conversations where she like sits in a bed with some stranger and talks and she's fully dressed and she says strange things. She's very uh, like she's very soft on her touch, but she says like really weird things and, and makes these socially awkward moments really fun. OK, so let's watch this. A lot of swearing in this really dumb person. If you're at work, you may want to turn this thing down at the moment. If you got kids in the car, you may want to skip this completely. So here we go. Uh, we're all dumber in a second here. Here we go. What do you know that you're a musician? But that's why I'm interviewing you today, so I can get to know you. So I'm a musician. Mm-hmm. What the fuck that mean? Make magic or something? What is musician? I think that's, I think you're confusing that. Yeah, I'm not no musician. I, I make music. I make I, music. I, and that's not all I do. I make music. I act. I'm a TV star, too. A young mogul. Uh-huh. I, just really quick, I think you're confusing. I'm music. not confusing nothing, because I, you, you don't know. I, you thought that all I was was a magician, or whatever the fuck you said. See, that's what I think you think I said. No, I said musician, I not what, magician. I don't think, baby, but I don't think. What I, is that? That's ghetto. I don't think. I know. So you, you think. I didn't say magician, Suki. I said musician. And I think you are a musician. No, baby, I do music. So you, just really, just really quick. For the record, could you say you don't think you're a musician? I'm not none of that. But then after that, you just said, I do music. Yeah, I do music. So in other words, you're a musician. No, I'm not. Okay. (laughs) Do you see why I set that clip up so much? I know I said I was going to do it a bunch, but man, what on earth? Uh, Also, I love this girl because she's a comedian. She's very, very funny. She does this deadpan back and forth and she's just not going to let it go. Usually she just walks away from those things, by the way, her interactions. My buddy sent that over. Uh, thinking is ghetto. You also heard that too. No, I don't think. I don't think that's ghetto. I don't do it. Oh my God. We're living in dark, dark times, folks. Um, all right. If, if you liked what we had out going on today, I've got my favorite. This is not really a dad joke per se, but this is your palate cleanser. This is my favorite. 
I love Morgan Freeman. I've always loved Morgan Freeman. I like things that Morgan Freeman says. I like the way that Morgan Freeman says it. And whenever someone plays a Morgan Freeman clip, this is what my wife here, especially the last like eight seconds of this, this little clip, it's long, but I think you will all feel better about going into your weird Wednesday once you've heard it, or if you're ending your day with us, you're gonna feel calm and peace because Morgan Freeman, Morgan Freeman, Morgan Freeman, Morgan Freeman, we love Morgan Freeman here. Here we go. What, what do you know? That's not Morgan Freeman. This is Morgan Freeman. You're going to relegate my history to a month. That's not what I was trying to play either. Where's my Morgan Freeman clip? Oh, it's on number six. Here it is. Sorry. Morgan Freeman, Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman was born in 1937. He narrated his own birth, saying, Leaving the warm comfort of his mother's womb, I, Morgan Freeman, enter the world. Soon I will make my first poop one of many in the life of Morgan Freeman. The first time that Morgan Freeman saw himself crying in the mirror, he became old, and he remained that way his whole life. From then on, every time that Morgan Freeman cried, it rained in heaven. When Morgan Freeman makes a documentary film, he narrates it first, and then nature makes it so. The only reason that the sun rises each day is because Morgan Freeman narrated that sunrise in his dreams the night before. The only reason that you're alive right now is because Morgan Freeman is narrating your life, as he does for billions and billions of others, each day. And when you have a bout of diarrhea, Morgan Freeman narrates it so that you appear noble, at the mercy of nature, and a taco. Morgan Freeman goes through four or five microphones a day because his voice turns them into bars of gold, which he uses to fund his quest to create a real Santa Claus. Morgan Freeman cannot be cloned because that would require unicorn tears. Morgan Freeman doesn't have sex. When he smiles, a baby simply appears in a field full of kittens. Earthquakes are merely Mother Nature having an orgasm when she listens to March of the Penguins. Penguins didn't exist until Morgan Freeman made that movie. He's that good. If you're having a rough day, think about Morgan Freeman, because he's certainly thinking about you. Morgan Freeman, Morgan Freeman, Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman, Morgan Freeman, Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. And there it is. Those are true facts about Morgan Freeman and a uh, famous YouTube clip that I love and my wife and I hold dear to our heart. We've shared that with you because Morgan Freeman, Morgan Freeman, it is uplifting. I hope that when you're having a bad day and maybe you're having a bad day already, just know, I guess Morgan Freeman is thinking about you. It's very nice to think about that. That makes me feel better as I go through my day. <laughs> and also the dignity of uh, fighting nature and a taco is quite strong. Folks, that's the show for today. I hope you appreciated that. I Like I said, I'll play you some stupid. I'll play you something that's loving. We try to cleanse the palate. We're going to go out there. And uh, <laughs> some of you guys really took it to heart, the uh, the alpha influencer video that we played a couple times that you need to go out there and make 40K in your side hustle. I hope all of you are making 40K every single day. Let's do a quick thanks. This is the side hustle that we know about. It's my buddy, Garrett O'Boyle's merch store. You guys can find the Suspendables merch at the-suspendables.com. Again, the, don't forget the dash. Suspendables with an S on the end, dot com. The promo code is Kyle to save 10%. What does that do? I don't know. It just saves you some money. It's a little bit cheaper than the marked price. And if you don't want to save the money, you don't have to. It's going in to keep uh, Garrett's kids working, chained to the uh, sweatshop floor. 
or wherever he changed them. I don't know, maybe a desk, whatever the sewing machines are and the heat presses. And we are slamping, slapping out uh, all kinds of Suspendables merch. Will there be female Suspendables merch? Probably never. Why? I don't know, because I'm not in charge. And many of you keep asking me, hey, can you get Garrett to make lady shirt? And I go, no, I can't get Garrett to do anything. He's 6'2 and 275 and his... You keep spelling his name wrong. His name is with one T, and you guys say it with two, and he even corrects me for that. So, ladies and gentlemen, the-suspendables.com. Go there and support the O'Boyle family sweatshop. Support the Suspendables. Support your merch as you go into the world, and you can also wear uh, our pins, three of those, for 30 bucks with free shipping. Not a bad deal. They look really cool, by the way. If you're not wearing them on a suit, if you wear a suit, definitely want that. Let's do a five-star review and shut it down. Five-star review from a new listener, no less. This is from Morgan Gons. Also known as Morgan K. Morgan, you're kind of screwing with me here. I don't know which one you are. Are you Morgan K or Morgan Gonzalez? Either way, five stars. Thank you for your service, Kyle. I happened upon your podcast when I was searching for new conservative content to kick off 2024. Well, thanks for doing it. Uh, it says your podcast is one of the best I clicked on. I click subscribe on rather. And thanks for your great and easy listening podcast. Thank you, Morgan, for joining us on our great and easy listening podcast. We appreciate all of you. That's why we do the show. And I hope that you have a wonderful Wednesday, folks. I will see you again tomorrow on Thursday. And uh, God bless you. Be safe. And we'll see you very soon. Thanks for listening to the Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live weekdays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social, and Instagram at Kyle Serafin.